We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is September 1st, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by the boy, my co host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? How are you? I'm great. We uh, we got some exciting stuff, some exciting content for the episode, and also my personal life going to the Gator game on Saturday against Utah. So I am pumped for that. Um, it's a night game in the swamp. So those of you that are Gator fans know uh, if you're a UCF fan, you're probably hating right now, and that is fine. Um, but we're going to hope that we walk out of the swamp with a W on Saturday or else I'll be very irritated. But uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Did you uh, do anything fun this week, Jonathan? Not really, Luke. Uh, I wanted to let the folks know you guys are listening to this on Thursday, probably. On Wednesday, we've been talking about this the last couple of months here. Uh, we had been nominated for the Orlando Weekly's Best of 22 ballot. Uh, they do that every single year where they take you know local restaurants and podcasts and you know different you know folks in the media. And uh, they ha- basically have a ballot where you can vote for your favorite whatever podcast, news anchor, whoever. And we have been nominated for best local podcast. And we're super excited to announce that we were voted third. Um, there was like, I don't know, 50 something podcasts that were listed there. So just the fact that we were nominated and then we came in third. Uh, we're super excited about that. But next year we are coming for number one. So be Numero on the lookout. Uno. And did y'all notice that he okay. just kind of skirted? Like, I just asked how your your week was or if you've done anything. And you're like, no, not really. And bang, right into it. I just wanted to well, talk. I mean, that's, what, that's like the, the biggest thing that happened to me this week. You know Okay. I mean? like, that's, that, that's fair. Quite, that's fair. You literally. Just, you just skirted. I just didn't know, you know. I was just asking on a friend note. Well, you know, there's there's some other stuff that happened today that we will talk about that you know, you know I might feel a certain type of way about. But we do not have to get into that. Uh, But we do have a very exciting episode that we're going to discuss today, go through here. Uh, We're going to talk Franz Wagner coming up to play for Germany in Eurobasket, which is actually starting today. If you're listening to this on Thursday, September the 1st, 
Um, the Orlando Magic Advent Health Training Center was basically officially open to the media today. Um, most of the media, I should say. We're going to talk about that and just kind of break all of that down and the features of the training center there. And then we told you guys this was coming. We're breaking down all of the position groups for the Orlando Magic. A couple episodes ago, we went through all of the centers. Today, we are going to go through all of the forwards. So uh, we don't know really what order these are going to be done in. Um, obviously, the guards is still kind of yet to be done. We don't know if that will be uh, our next episode or the following episode, but we're going to get to that really before the the we get into training camp and uh, preseason and all that kind of jazz. So, Luke, first of all, let's talk about Franz Wagner. Everybody loves them, some Franz Wagner. Uh, if you've been living underneath a rock for the last couple of months, you might not know this, but Franz Wagner is actually playing for the German national team at FIBA Eurobasket 2022. And this past week, Franz was voted the best young player at Eurobasket 2022 by the Eurobasketball Survey. Shocker. Luke, thoughts on, on our guy Franz, you know, best young player at, at FIBA Eurobasket. They said he wouldn't be this good. They said he wouldn't be this good. Now, to be fair, I was I was one of them. But yeah, you know, the one of those that wouldn't have guessed that he'd be, you know, get this honor, I guess. But uh, but yeah, so sorry, guys, Um, I'm way too ADHD. So I'm gonna be very transparent. Harper just walked into my room. My my child, she's just not awake at the hours that we record. She just kind of busted right through the door. Anyway, we'll go back from that talking about Franz. I didn't think he was going to be voted this point. If you told me that last year that he would have gotten an honor like this, I wouldn't have believed you. So props to our guy Franz, as everybody has come to love and know him. We are not shocked by this, right? You look at some other names on that list and you're like, oh, it checks out based on the season that he had compared to the other guys on the list, whether it be NBA or internationally. Didn't surprise me too much, Jonathan. I, I think that it was a cool thing. I didn't know it was happening. So like, I read it. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, that's awesome. But also, it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, him playing for Germany, you know, the the Dirk Nowitzki comps are going to get made. They're both white dudes playing for Germany, now in the NBA. So um, I don't know how close those comparisons are going to end up being by the end of the day. Obviously, in Orlando, we would freaking love that if that came true. Um, but it's super exciting to see Franz getting some recognition, you know, from the media. The European media, you know, the the NBA and the the national media here in the U.S., all of that will come in, in due time. Also, on another note, Jonathan, I wanted to note the exciting news about League Pass. Oh yes, League Pass has decreased price immensely. Um, I, what, what's the what's the new price? It's going to be like one hundred or one fifty, like a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, and it was like two hundred or two fifty or something like that. And the funniest part about this whole thing is that NBA two K finessed everybody. NBA two K made two K uh, like a few weeks back when they were doing pre order stuff. They made two K a little bit more expensive, like one hundred and twenty or I don't even like know. the deluxe edition. Yes, and they they said this is going to include league pass well now like i was contemplating it because i was like man league pass like 200 250 bucks i might as well just pre-order 2k and get league pass even if i don't play 2k and then they come out yeah and then they come out and say no it's gonna be 100 bucks this time so i'd be real mad if i would have actually pulled the trigger on pre-ordering 2k but it's what 2k does they get people's money and uh I'm, i'm but i'm glad i'm happy about league pass and and it lowering i'm probably gonna end up getting it this year 
Well, the game hasn't come out yet, so I'm sure if you've pre-ordered that, you know, through like the PSN store, Xbox Live, or whatever they're calling it nowadays, I'm sure you can, you know, hit that refund button, get your money back, just pay the 70 bucks. I mean, I guess now it all kind of comes out in the wash. It's the same price, but it's just the fact that it incentivized so many people to say, hey, I'm just going to buy, I'm just going to buy NBA 2K anyways. But then they might say, you know what? Screw 2K. I'm going to get my 170 bucks back not buy 2k and just spend the hundred dollars on league pass so yeah i am a strong advocate of that stop buying video games every year that you 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 know they're trash they're the same thing every year but you buy them again because you fall you feed into the hype and then 30 minutes into the game you're like oh this is the same game that i bought last year and now they've updated the roster on me if we just all stop buying these games they will realize that they need to go back to the good old days mm-hmm. where they actually were putting out a quality game every year instead of to the be same f- game over and over again. To be fair, I think the mechanics of this one, they're using a different engine from, I think. Don't, Don't quote me on that. But they could be, I think they're using a new engine and for like the the next gen consoles. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll the see. gameplay is going to be a little bit different. That is fine. But like for me, I don't sit there and play like my park. I don't go through... Uh, like the franchise mode and play like all 82 games. When I play 2K, I'm playing my player offline. And sure, the gameplay the gameplay of 2K is always fun to a certain extent. But it's like, how many times are you going to do the same thing? To me, it's all the kind of superfluous features that used to go along with my player that made mm-hmm. it really fun. You know, like when you could, when you were like designing your own shoe, I don't know if that's still a thing, but when you could tell basically your GM who you wanted to play with, who you didn't want to play with, the fact that I have to, if unless I want to buy VC, I have to grind like three seasons of NBA 2K to get my guy to like a respectable overall. Badges. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's such it's such a like convoluted system now. It's just for the way my play style, it is not fun anymore. So mm-hmm. I would just appreciate if everyone stopped buying 2K and they would just you know give people kind of what they want. We have spent way too much time <laughs> talking about 2K here, but yes, the league pass is a great point. If you're just kind of scrambling every year the way I know Magic fans do to try to find your streaming option, the League Pass is going to be a great option for you. But going back to Eurobasket, so we're talking about Germany. Uh, Obviously, they've got Franz Wagner. They've got Dennis Schroeder. They've got Daniel Tice. They have Mo Wagner on the roster, although he is not going to be playing due to injury. So most Magic fans really should be rooting for Germany if you're paying attention to Eurobasket at all. The group that Germany is playing in is being labeled as like the group of death. So anytime there's like any kind of group stage in these international tournaments, there's always a group that gets labeled as the group of death. And Germany just happens to be playing in that group. So I want to go through the group here with you, Luke. So Germany, you know, we talked about Franz Wagner, Dennis Schroeder, Daniel Tice, and then uh, Hungary. Um, I went through the list of the rosters. There wasn't anybody on that team that I'm familiar with. If you're a big international basketball fan, um, that might not be the case, so I apologize. Uh, but then also Slovenia, so Luka, Goran Dragic, um, Goran Dragic's brother, I think it's Zoran, I actually think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, Lithuania, so you might be familiar with the little guy we know as Ignis Brezdakis, not really a little mm-hmm. guy, but you know what I mean. Demana Sabonis and Jonas Valanciunas, so Lithuania is kind of stacked. And then Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, I went to high school with a, a big Bosnian family, so I always just call it Bosnia. I guess Bosnian and Herzegovina is the correct term there. 
but Yusuf Nurkic, uh, the only notable uh, team for or player on that team for me. And then France is kind of low key loaded too. So Timothée Luwawu Cabarro, so TLC. Uh, Evan Fournier, Magic fans are very familiar with him. Rudy Gobert, uh, Theo Maladon, Gershon Yabuselli, and Eli Okobo. Those are all guys who had at least had like a cup of coffee in the NBA. So uh, France is a very talented team. Uh, and the way that it works in the group stages, um, each team is going to play five games. And then at the end of that, the top four teams from each group are going to advance and the worst two teams will be eliminated. So, uh, Luke, what do you think of uh, of Germany's group? I mean, to be fair, I don't know much international ball at all. Um, but I will say, like you Just said, say you don't know international ball, bro. I don't know international ball. But what I will say and I believe I've already prefaced that too, like two or three weeks ago. Anyway, uh, you mentioned like there's always a death group. In fairness, Germany is what makes it also a death group. Like Franz isn't like against all odds, in my opinion. I think that Germany being there makes us also a death group. I wish Mo Wagner was playing. We've said it before, but I just I, I still hate it for him that he was that he's not playing. Would even make would make Germany even better. He's a better international player than NBA player, in my opinion. Um, and, and so I wish that was the, were the case. But all that to say, I I think it's. I mean, Franz has looked pretty good. Obviously, is going to be riding high after hopefully being you know riding high. Hopefully, after being voted as essentially the the best young player in you know Eurobasket. So should be fun to see him square off. I'm I'm hoping that. They show us more. We talked a lot about that leading up to uh, this point where we were like, maybe they're kind of hiding what their scheming scheme is going to be come actual playoff you know, tournament time. And I hope that that's the case. I hope that Franz gets some more action ran form. I hope we see a little bit of point Franz, maybe when like Schroeder's not in the game or something would be a lot of fun. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I, as much as I would like to see Franz win, I also just want to see Franz ball on everybody more than anything else so i i'm obviously not german so i don't resonate with that team but if it means that franz is balling out like like if if germany wins and franz doesn't play well i just oh like i just don't care at that point i need franz to do well and be the reason germany's winning so that's what i'm prioritizing here yeah i don't think that there's any like realm of possibility you know those those two to me are mutually exclusive. Like if Germany is going to win, it's going to be because Franz is playing very very well. Um, but two other teams in this group, France and Slovenia, I believe France is is the the favorite um, to come out of this group, and I think they're one of the favorites to win the you know entire EuroBasket tournament as well as Slovenia. You know with Luka and Goran Dragic and Zoran Dragic there, but Germany just like handled Slovenia like last week. So. Um, you know, things can be different in these types of you know, tournaments. But the good thing is all of, you know, Germany's games in this group stage are all in Germany. Hmm. So all of these games are essentially going to be home games for Germany. So really excited to see that. Um, I think Germany, you know, makes it out of the group stage. I think they're, you know, at worst second or, or third best team um, in this group. And, you know, I definitely at least want to see them make it out of the group stage. That would be a big disappointment to me. Like if they don't even make it out of the group stage, you know, that's kind of a, a failure on their part. But um super what, excited to see Franz in Eurobasket and um, hopefully plays well in the tournament. What time? Um, oh, I am so glad that you brought that up, my little man. Mm, Germany's mm. schedule coming up 
uh, on man. Thursday. Let's September never do 1st. that again. Anyways, <laughs> September 1st at... Hey guys, producer Kevin here. Just to be brutally honest, Jonathan and Luke completely botched this next segment about Germany's schedule. So here I am to save the day because, you know, time zones, math, it's hard. So anyway, let me give you Germany's actual schedule. Their first game is Thursday, September 1st against France. That starts at 2.20 p.m. Uh, Next game is Sunday, September 4th against Lithuania at 8.20 a.m. Then Tuesday, September 6th against Slovenia at 2.20 p.m. And then lastly, Wednesday, September 7th against Hungary at 2.20 p.m. Those are their group stage games. All games for Eurobasket can be watched on ESPN+. Plus. Every single one from the group stage all the way to the final. ESPN Plus is, is the way to do that. And ESPN Plus is only $10 a month. So if you're just watching Eurobasket, $10 for a couple weeks of some awesome uh, European basketball competition is great. Also, you can watch a lot of other things like Orlando City and the U.S. Open Cup final next Wednesday. You shouldn't miss that either. Anyway, that's all I have for you today. Go Magic. And that will conclude Germany's schedule in the group stage. And then hopefully after that, we'll get a few more games of them you know, getting out of the, the group uh, round. Also, just want to add, because I always have to, I wanted to give kind of the, the to give you guys a feel for the Germany-France game that'll be happening today as you're listening to this. The spread is out and the spread is currently France minus five and a half. And the money line odds here, France is minus 275. But if you were to put something on Germany, it is currently plus 200 per Bavada. I don't hate those odds. Yeah. Well, plus 200. I don't hate that line. Oh. Yeah, I don't don't hate that at all. Yeah, I still, you know, obviously France is going to be the favorite. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're one of the favorites in the entire tournament. But, you know, Germany is a good team. We know Franz is, is a great player. I mean, right now, I think we've, I would probably say he's better than Evan Fournier. Would you? Who? Now, FIBA Fournier is a, is a different animal. I'm talking about Franz, like just in general. If I think Franz is better than a Evan better player Fournier. than Evan Fournier right now, I'd say it's close. Um, I'd say it's pretty close. And Franz, to me, is the better playmaker and the better defender. So I would, I would give us, obviously, yeah. if you're asking a Magic fan, we're all taking Franz right now. But just like in in the context of this tournament, like Evan Fournier has really played super well. Like his nickname is FIBA Fournier for a reason. He just had a great game. I think France was playing Bosnia and Herzegovina, if I'm not mistaken. And he had like a game-tying dunk. He helped them win the game in overtime. Like Evan Fournier in international play is an absolute monster. For, yeah. But I think there's a chance that Franz can like get to that level in this tournament. Um, also, I not to spend too much time on this because we got a lot to cover. But outright, I found the odds here per Bavada again. Outright uh, odds for uh, for it for the tournament is Serbia plus three fifty, Greece plus four hundred, Slovenia plus four hundred, and France plus five hundred. Um, right. And then Germany finds itself as plus and Serbia. 2000. Jokic, Greece, Giannis, right. so all that makes Slovenia, sense. Slovenia, yeah. Luka, France, their stacked team as they are. And also MVP odds, Doncic and Jokic tied for best odds at plus 400 and Giannis plus 425. And then fourth, Jonathan, Evan Fournier at plus right, 800. Baby. All you haters out there <laughs> didn't want me, didn't want him on my top 10. Evan Fournier is a hell of a basketball player. I will die. I will literally die on that hill. <laughs> 
I know a lot of people don't agree with me. He's in my top 10 favorite Magic players of all time. Not best Magic players of all time, but my top 10 favorite. Evan Fournier is that dude. Shaved his head, and he is toting that thing yep. in, uh, in Eurobasket. Franz is down there at like plus 4,000, by the way, for MVP. That's some that's some solid odds right there. Probably won't happen, but you probably got to pr- come pretty close to winning the tournament um, to end up as the tournament MVP. All right, Luke, let's sh- switch gears here, shift gears. The Orlando Magic today, uh, it started with a, a tweet from Woj kind of earlier in the morning. Uh, these photos came out of the new Advent Health Training Center. Um, we know that the Magic have been building this facility for the last, I don't know, year and a half, it seems like. Um, but it is finished. They opened it up to the media today. Um, people went in and were able to you know, take a tour and uh, take you know, images and, and photos of really just what is a crazy uh, facility. Um, Luke, I, I really I have like a whole list of, of features yeah. here. But before I kind of go through that, what, what were your thoughts? I love it. I, down to the details, I think that they I don't remember what it is, but basically I think it was Alex Martins who was talking about that it's at least like it's a certain percentage more than any facility practice facility yeah. of any other NBA team. I don't remember if it was twenty five percent. Adam Shadoff. Adam Shadoff, I believe he's with uh, Fox Orlando. He reported that Alex Martin said it is forty percent bigger than any other team facility in the NBA. Wild, and I think I mean obviously we'll talk about what it really means for for this team to have a facility like that. But there's a lot of, you know, some fun interaction that happened on Twitter today with uh, other NBA players, which we can talk about. But I will say I want to add uh, along with my initial thoughts, just like down to like the, the the smallest details. I think they nailed it from what we can see. Right. The, the crazy aspects of it, like they all have walk in lockers uh, with TVs in each one, it seemed. Um, but like they have like a, a essentially like a, a wall where they have the name of like each Orlando Magic player ever to put on a Magic uniform where they got guys down from Rodney Purvis to Nikola Vucevic. Like they, they covered the everybody, literally everybody that has signed essentially a contract with the Magic, a, a full contract there. So um, so just really awesome. Um, I, like I said, details, they nailed it. It's a, an exciting facility and there's a lot of implications for the magic and what it means for them. Yeah. It's just a massive, beautiful facility. Like you look at it and it's just, you know, Wendell Carter was talking about it today and other people have just you know, commented obviously on social media, but it's just like, what more could you ask for in a, in a team facility? So I kind of just jotted down like basically what I thought were all of like the important features of a facility. We'll go through that. So $17 million it cost them to build. It's 130,000 square feet. Uh, you mentioned Alex Alex Martin said it's 40% bigger than any other team facility in the NBA. Uh, it features two full courts and then off to the side, two half courts just for like shooting and other drills. Um, above the two full courts, it has an elevated viewing balcony uh, to watch practice and to watch guys go through workouts when you bring them in for draft workouts and things like that. It, into the ceiling, um, there are proprietary player tracking cameras that will be capable of like tracking players like throughout practice and like you know there it'll help them evaluate players better in practice. Um, there's an eight thousand square foot weight room. I posted one of the photos uh, to Instagram and to our our Facebook page, and one gentleman commented, he's like, 
this looks like a motel six weight room. I'm like, dog, it's 8,000 square feet. <laughs> like that's They're like never going to be happy as big as my first house. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, they have an outdoor lap pool that also has like training turf, like right next to it. Um, they literally have like a, a theater room for team meetings and to watch film in. Uh, they, like you mentioned, they have a walk-in locker for each player. There's a barber room where guys can bring in a barber and, and get their hair cut there. Um, this is the first ever in existence altitude chamber. So there's an entire room where they can go in and basically train in you know, cardio at altitude. It's the first of its kind in professional sports, at least as far as we know. Uh, there's a hydrotherapy room where they have a hot tub and they have a like a cold tub in there as well. Um, there's a cryotherapy room where they can go. It's like the cryotherapy machine for recovery. There's a sauna and steam room. Uh, they have a standing CT scan, which I believe is the first um, like in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I saw somebody post that today. Uh, I would assume there's also probably like an x-ray machine there and an MRI. So if guys are injured, they just go over to you know, the, the team facility and they can get all kinds of scans, everything that they need there. Um, like you mentioned, the magic player wall, it's just a wall just filled with plaques of every player that's ever played for the magic. And there's tons of room to add like additional plaques to that as well. Uh, there's a float room where they have a, what's called a sensory deprivation tank in that. Mm. Um, there are nap rooms. So if the guys are working out and they want to take a nap and like head out or, you know, two a days, whatever the case may be, there's nap rooms there. There's a massive, like large family room. Yeah, where I'm guessing they'll eat. Their you know families can join them there. Um, there's a whole like nutritional center there where they'll they'll have chefs basically to make them whatever they want. Um, there's also like an outdoor family area um, that's overlooking downtown Orlando, and there's like massive grills out there so they can again have their families there and have uh, food cooked for them. And then they also have an outdoor putting green. So it's by all me like all standards, it's the newest, best, biggest team facility in the entire league yeah i want to add something real quick kind of just a, a small tidbit of information if you will about the altitude chamber i didn't know that they had that in there um but it made me think i heard it recently i don't remember where i heard it but um basically the the conversation was being had and they were saying that uh usman from the ufc trains at altitude like in in denver and it's in, I believe that's where he trains in Colorado, I believe. But all that to say, you know, someone was talking about how it's so great. He trains in altitude and everything. And and the other person was talking about how it's great to train at altitude, but you should sleep like in, in normal conditions, like not at altitude. That makes sense. So th that making this seem to me, based on what I heard, this altitude chamber that much sicker because it means they can train at altitude but they don't sleep at altitude, which essentially just makes it more productive, more worthwhile, and just makes them more ready to essentially play at altitude. So we'll see. I honestly, after hearing that, I'm, I'm now interested to see how they play at altitude. Uh, not that we'll be able to really tie it directly, but I'm just saying if the Magic win that game by 30, we, we know it's because we, we've had some players in the altitude room there. Well, so like for, you know, like newer fans of the team and maybe like newer NBA fans, we can just kind of go through like why that is a big deal. So um, there's only one team in the league that really plays at high altitude and it's the Denver Nuggets. Um, 
like the the Broncos old stadium was like mile high stadium because mm-hmm. that's how far above sea level it is, like a, a mile basically. Now, the, what why it is uh, relevant, you know, playing at altitude is because at altitude the oxygen is thinner in the air. So uh, if you are training at that, your body has less oxygen than it would normally when you breathe. Uh, so it just increases your cardio and allows your body uh, to process oxygen more efficiently. So if you're training at altitude, right, and then when you play at like normal altitude, your cardio should just be that much better than other teams, especially for te- if you're playing at home and another team isn't used to playing at that altitude. Like that's why they say Denver has one of the best home court advantages of the league because of the altitude that they play in. And then you want to train at that, but you want to sleep back at normal altitude because the oxygen is going to help your body recover just that much better. So I don't know how much of a factor it's going to be for our guys. Like the room is pretty big, like the pictures that we saw of it, but it doesn't look like you're going to have the whole team in there at one right. time. Hey guys, we're getting ready to go on this West Coast road trip. <laughs> Everybody hit the altitude room, so we're ready to play Denver. I don't think it's going to be like that. But in terms of like recovery and trying to get guys back to the correct conditioning level, training in the altitude room should help them kind of ramp up their cardio a little bit faster. So, and again, yeah. it's state of the art. It's the only one in the league. Um, incredible. It's incredible. And they thought of everything. For those that are wondering, Orlando plays in Denver January and February. So just to kind of end that note there. Well, they only they only play in Denver once. Oh, right. You're right. I just searched Nuggets. Yeah. That was my bad. But yeah, I'm so pretty sure that that's at like in Denver Kevin in January. pointed this out. Yeah, Kevin pointed this out when we were going through the schedule is that we always play Denver like the last game or one of the last games of our road trips, which like your whole team is already like worn down from the road trip. You would much rather start in Denver at, right. and play at that altitude than end your road trip there. So yeah, imagine they are they're the fifth and final game of that road trip in January. Yeah. So the Magic might hit the altitude room right before they leave, but by the time they get to Denver, <laughs> it's basically going to be completely pointless. But and the great thing about it being such a large facility is uh, Philip Rossman Reich. I saw him make this point. If there are things that other teams add to their facilities, that the Magic are like, all right. Well, we have the room to add that too. Right. So the Magic are now going to be just in this never-ending arms race for keeping this facility as like state of the art in the league. And now, let's just talk about like the like the implications for what this means for yeah. the Magic organization moving forward. Not just like the necessary like on-court stuff, but just like in terms of free agents. Yeah. You you alluded to it earlier, some NBA players, you know, tweeting about the Magic's new training facility. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, of course. Also, just to add, like, well, really what we'll get into here is just that it is it, it makes Orlando genuinely a more attractive free agency landing spot, which is what this team needs. And I think there's no better time than right now. It kind of just like gets established when the team is young and growing and is able to really grow with the team in terms of when free agency happens. The, the team might be better at that point. More players are taking note of this facility and able to, you know, really think about this and honestly factored into their decision i know some people are listening to this but just might be like that doesn't like there's no way that a, a facility makes a difference it's like yeah it's it's very much so the magic now have essentially two and a half courts they only have one now in that practice facility so that's huge that they're able to have two full court um courts Which, there in the practice court. i believe they were one of the only teams if not the only team in the league that only had one full court in the it, in the nba and that's what i thought about today too like obviously we knew that they that they had one practice court but i was thinking about it i was like there's just no way that a ton of nba teams have just one court in their practice facility so 
But all that to say, I'll really look no further if you're looking for proof that players factor this in. Uh, shout out to Marky, uh, who is faithful on, on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That man's everywhere. If you know Marky, you know Magic Marky. Magic Marky. He posted, he caught, I think he probably is the one that caught it. If someone else caught it and he just like used the picture, sorry. But that's where we saw it first. Marky, it looked like he posted a screenshot of Desmond Bain from the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, who essentially was just saying, like, we need this. And in all caps. In all caps, right. And then you look and it was deleted. So it's like someone told him, hey, man, that's not a good look. But what I will say, it's a great look for us, for Desmond Bain to be saying that. So, uh, just first of all, great catch by by Marquis. I think Kevin was on that that pointed that out there too. Um, you know, just great great eye by Marquis putting that out there. But I think that like you you really don't have to look any further than that tweet from Desmond Bain as to how important these players think that practice facilities and just facilities in general are. There's a lot of really cool things about this facility that we really didn't even scratch the surface of truly how awesome it can be. And and I'm sure that, um, you know, Philip Rossman Reich will talk about it. And um, I know Kobe uh, was there as well, covers the magic. So Kobe, Kobe wasn't be... there, but there was someone from the Orlando Sentinel uh, there. Oh, Kobe's okay, on vacation, gotcha. living his best life right now. Oh, OK, gotcha. He yeah, so it. right, of course. But I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of get more details as it unfolds. Really cool. Just yet another thing that puts eyes on the magic in general. We talk about the number one pick and the publicity it brings. You had Woj tweeting about the magic this morning in that facility. It's a big deal, whether we realize it or not. Like This really doesn't affect us, but it affects the organization. And I'm excited to see kind of the allure that it brings along with the young core that we've got. I mean, there wasn't a ton of you know, NBA news today, so that was really like the story. Like NBA Twitter was just people talking about the new like Magic practice practice facility, and you know, I know seventeen million dollar you know facility. Uh, obviously, they're partnering with Advent Health, and part of that facility is going to be open to the public, you know, for you know testing and and therapy and everything like that. So um, that was kind of part of the deal that part of that facility will be open to the public, but. For people, you know, recently that have been like questioning, like whatever you think about the DeVos family, I don't want to get into that, but they are, they are committed to the Orlando magic. And when they need to spend money and it is appropriate to spend money, they will spend money. And this is just another, you know, obvious you know, example of that. It feels like we're like just all together, like heading into a new era of Orlando yeah. magic basketball. Talk about the training facility. We've got this awesome young core in place. Now we draft the number one pick in Paolo Bancaro. Like, it is hard not to get excited if you're an Orlando Magic fan right now. Yeah, like truly. Yeah, yeah, and I want to add, like as well, just kind of that um, what this facility can mean in terms of free agency. Best players in the league that like you're really going to attract, especially if you're Orlando, are the people that are free agents, like maybe coming off a rookie deal or like of the age of like 25 years old, 26 years old, trade it, whatever it might be. In college football, recruiting is is obviously a huge thing, but players put a lot of stock, like those 18-year-olds coming into college at UF and those who are committing at 17, 18, whatever it might be, they put a lot of stock into the facilities as well. And it's just like NBA players aren't too much older than those college, than those high school athletes. 
that like people make recruiting such a big deal. We need to upgrade facilities. We need to do this. We need to do that. Like the Gators did that recently, just actually released uh, their open, like their facility a few weeks ago and everybody's going crazy over it because they know the implications. And I just think that like in the NBA, people aren't as in tune to like what facilities your NBA team has. And I genuinely think that there's not too much of a difference in terms of uh, an athlete, you know, going from high school to college and like NBA teams and choosing where they're going to spend some of their years of their career. I think it really can't be stated enough how important it is. And I think, you know, it's easy like to say that, but Desmond Bain tweeting that out today yeah. is a perfect example of that. Now, yeah. yeah, he took the tweet down basically immediately, but I guarantee you he was not the only NBA player that took yeah. note of that today. Like maybe Orlando isn't such a bad free agency <laughs> destination after all, you know, like, do I, do I necessarily want to play in Miami? I mean, maybe I do, but if, you know, I can't make it to Miami, Orlando's just a hop, skip and a jump away. No state income tax, brand new facility. Number one pick Paolo Bancaro still got Franz Wagner and all these other talented guys. Orlando just took a massive step forward in terms of the attractiveness of it being a free agency destination. Yeah. And, no doubt. I want to be careful that we don't overstate that because you know this doesn't make us the Knicks or the Lakers, even though the Knicks aren't really a free agency destination. Right. Haven't been for like twenty years. That right. is besides the point. You know, Golden State, all these other teams. We're not saying we're at that level, but if you want to seriously compete with the big markets in terms of free agency, this is necessary. Like this is a requirement. So it's yeah. a massive step for the organization. Um, Hope you know you and I get a, a chance to take a tour of it uh, sometime soon. It just looks ridiculous, and all the guys seem super excited. Like we were talking about this before uh, we jumped on, but in like the family area where they would all eat, there's like a fridge, and on the fridge is like a mm -hmm. digital photo wall, and they've just got like pictures of of players on the team, and they got like little and, post it notes, like if someone were to write it, like Go Magic or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just a, like I said, the details are ridiculous, the details. and they're yeah. awesome. And you yep. know the players Absolutely see that and they're like, it. man, that's crazy. Yeah, they, they can't wait to get in there. And, the, the and little stuff today, like said, that, crazy. He, he said, Wendell said, with a facility like this, we have no excuse to not be one of the best teams in the league. Talk to so, me. Talk to me, Wendaddy. That's right. Okay, Luke, let's switch this kind of back uh, to basketball in just a second. Before we do that, we're going to go ahead and shout out our patrons so if you have been living underneath a rock or you're a new listener to the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three tiers of benefits that you can help and partner with the show to help financially support the show to help us do all the things that we do. We shout out our brand new patrons on every episode and every episode we go through and we shout out all of our Hall of Fame tier patrons, which is what I am going to do right now, starting with Court Cousins, Armin, Carson Tulo. Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Bailey Wiffle, Michael Salapong, Franz Go to Fashow. Shout out to our boy, Franz Go to Fashow. Stepped up from the All Star to Hall of Fame tier patron this week. Greatly appreciated. Ryan Singh, The Distract, Pierre A, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Gotti 93, and the great Mrs. Sylvia, Luke's Goatee. mom. Shout out, Luke's Isn't mom. it Gotti 93 we established? Did I say Gotti ninety three again? You said, it is Gotti ninety three. Yep. And then my mother. I, I was yeah, I was so I, I was like I wanted to make sure that I did right by your mother and wanted to like be respectful and honor right. her yeah. and calling her Mrs. Sylvia. And right. I got so caught up in that that I totally forgot about Gotti ninety three. Forgot to honor Gotti ninety three. 
Yeah, I, I think he would agree that your mother is probably more important. You know what uh, I mean? Like, yeah, he he would be like, no, by all means, like you know, show right. show some love to to Mrs. Sylvia. So, right, Godi, my apologies. We just had our Zoom call a couple of weeks ago where you told me how to pronounce your name, and I just messed it up again. So I I greatly uh, but apologize I caught it. We, we we fixed it. We rectified. It's it. all good. It's all good in the hood here. Shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons. We love you guys so much. We can't do what we do without you and really to all of our patrons a big shout out we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Luke, let's talk about the forwards, bro. So we talked about the centers uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and now we want to break down this this group of forwards that we have, uh, a position that we have just a lot of depth, a lot of talent um, for reasons that you and I both agree. Like we're not going to talk about Admiral Schofield or like Kavon Harris. Great like, guy. We have enough. We have enough depth on this team at this point that just barring a ton of catastrophic injuries. Those guys really shouldn't see the floor like regularly whatsoever. They should never be rotation players at any point in this season. So really the guys that we're going to be breaking down, we're talking about Caleb Houston, Chuma Okiki, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, and Jonathan Isaac. Uh, Luke, how do you want to, how do you want to start this? Do you want to talk about who, like, I I know we've talked about like the starting lineup a little bit, there's been some more conversation around that this week. Where do you want to start here? Let, let's just start with who we think is the starting small forward and power forward. This is going to be a quick header, I'm sure, and not much of an explanation needed. 
But where are you at? Are you still in the same place? Small forward, power forward, starting, coming opening night. Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro. Franz at the three, Paolo at the four. I'm glad we can agree. I've got that listed like that. So I've got starter, small forward, obviously Franz, power forward, Paolo. So nothing really to say there, man. Like both of these guys, Paolo, number one pick. In what instance are you not starting a number one pick? And not to mention uh, how early like Franz and Jalen as a fifth and eighth pick were starting last year. Like Moses not shy to do that. We've talked about that as well. So Paolo just makes sense. And then Franz, I mean, he's he's the best young player in Eurobasket. What else do you want us to say? He's our small forward. He's a starting small forward. I don't even think that really this is up for debate as it stands. Well, it could be a debate, but we'll talk about that a little bit later as we kind of get to the mm-hmm. end of the forwards conversation here. I just wanted to highlight Paolo Bancaro again. Um, if you're not familiar with Paolo Bancaro, uh, we're going to be saying things like this pretty regularly just because we know that uh, with a new facility and with the first pick in the in the draft, uh, we are going to have new team, new fans, hopefully, um, coming to root for the Magic. So if you are a newer fan and you don't know about the boy Paolo Bancaro, 6'10", 250, uh, forward out of Duke. Again, the number boy, one thick. overall pick in the draft, 39 games at Duke. 17.7 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 47% from the floor, 33% from behind the arc. That was in college. Now, if we go and we take a look at his you know, couple of games uh, in Summer League, Paolo Bancaro in two games, 20 points per game. Uh, let's see, it was five rebounds, six assists, two steals, and a block. 40% from the floor, 50% from the three-point line, 80% from the charity stripe. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, just an absolute stud. And then you mentioned Franz Wagner in 79 games last year, came very close to being a Rookie of the Year finalist, uh, did make the first all-rookie team in 79 games, 15 points per game, four and a half rebounds, almost three assists, flirted with a steal a game, Almost 47% from the floor, 35% from the three-point line. Franz Wagner, just kind of do-it-all stud. We saw Franz, like, literal, you know, you, you say, like, point Franz. Like, you kind of say that tongue-in-cheek. But at times, especially in December last year, that was a real thing where Franz was bringing the ball up and was initializing the offense. He's a guy that can go get his own offense. He's a guy that can play off-ball and just make great cuts, knock down open threes. Um, he's a... You know, somewhat versatile defender, you know, pretty comfortable guarding like two through four, some fives at times. Um, but yeah, Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro 100% should be the starters um, you know, opening night at the three and at the four, Luke. So that leaves us to talk about Chuma Okiki, Caleb Houston, and Jonathan Isaac. Um, how do you want to break down this group? I want to have a, a, a dialogue. I want to know your oh, thoughts. <laughs> That's we like talk- two Charles Barkley references the last two episodes. Yeah, let's ha- let's start a dialogue. No, I because I'm just in preparation was thinking about the fact that you know Chuma kind of played you know a little bit of both their three and four, but Basketball Reference has him down at power forward. Jonathan Isaac power forward. My question is: We talk a lot about Jonathan Isaac and the possibility of him kind of challenging. Paolo at the four spot for a starting role. We never mentioned Chumo Kiki. 
in your mind is is the gap between Chuma and Jonathan Isaac large or what are your kind of thoughts based around him because obviously Jay has so many question marks is there a world where Chuma is ahead of J.I. on this depth chart when it comes to the four spot. And does it happen? Is that like that way from the jump? Or do you think that's even possible? Well, I mean, like they have him listed, um, you know, as a power forward. In my opinion, he's like kind of like a combo forward. Like he's best suited to me as a three, you know, six, six, two thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he can guard some fours, but he's mobile enough to guard threes on the perimeter. He's a, a smart defender. He's a, a willing defender. He's a physical defender. Um, but I just I just see a world where those guys can play together. I don't see it as like, especially if they're yeah. coming off the bench, I don't see it like Chuma versus J.I. Like if you're if you're rolling out like some kind of bench lineup of either like Cole Anthony or like Jalen Suggs. And, you know, now that Gary Harris is going to be out for some time, uh, you know, potentially talking about Terrence Ross or you know Caleb Houston. I know we have him in our forwards group, but I think he could play some two as well. And yeah. then you have Jonathan Isaac and Chuma Okiki and Mo Bamba. Like that's a hell of a, a, a bench unit yeah, in, in my opinion. So I don't really see it as like Chuma versus J.I. I think those guys can play um, together. I know we also want to talk about like J.I. versus Paolo, but um, so is it, where are we starting? Are we starting with, with Chuma? Or are we starting with J.I.? I'm kind of thrown off here. I can go uh, I either mean, direction, Chuma or want, J.I. Let's go. I think that the first, regardless, like if we if it was a position battle and not just like Chuma slot at the small forward, J.I. the power forward, I think we probably both agree that J.I. has the privileges up front in terms of we probably think he's the better player. So let's just start with J.I. Well, so I think that would I think that's fair, actually. And like to your point, like we talk about Chuma Okiki, like last year, 70 games, 8.6 points per game. 37% from the floor, 31% from the three-point line. And like primarily last year, in, in just kind of the context of the Magic offense, Chuma was really like a spot-up shooter. Yeah. And if we just go back to Jonathan Isaac's last healthy season, uh, almost 12 points, 47% from the floor, and 34% from the three-point line. So like right now you could argue that, sure, maybe Chuma potentially is a little bit of a better playmaker off the dribble. Um you could still argue that Jonathan still might be the better offensive player. And I hate that we have to say this every time that we talk about Jonathan <laughs> Isaac, but yes, when we talk about this, we are assuming that he's healthy. If he's not healthy, he won't be on the floor. So we won't be talking about him. So right. I don't want to get comments that, Oh, how do you think he's going to do that? If he's not on the floor? Exactly. You are 100% correct. <laughs> so we're just going to assume that JI is healthy in this scenario. Yeah. Now, whether he is, of the Jonathan Isaac that we knew, or if he's 75 to 80% of the Jonathan Isaac, I still think he's probably the better player than Chuma Okiki right now. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, Yeah, I mean, there is not much else to say about Jonathan Isaac that we have not stated previously in every conversation about him, whether it's been the last few weeks, the last year, right? Because we haven't seen him on the court in the last two. So anything we've said really probably in the last two years with him off the court is probably what we're saying now. If he's healthy, he is one of the he is one of the best guys on this team. But that's a huge caveat. We don't know. Like you have also said, we need to operate as if we don't have him when we make predictions, things like that. But it's always hard not to just be like, yeah, but if J.I. is healthy, 
this could be a playoff team. And it's not that hard to say it. But there's just so much uncertainty. I'm interested to see, you know, as we all are, his minute restrictions, like we've also said, not going to probably play any back-to-backs, at least, you know, starting out first half, three-fourths of the year, unless they are find themselves in a very competitive situation. And they're like, oh, man, we just need to play everybody. J.I.'s fine. Like, he'll be all right. We've played it conservative up to this point. We have a real shot at the playoffs. I think that's when you might have J.I. start playing back-to-backs and start bumping up a few minutes in, in that minute restriction Restriction if you if he's up to, like, 25 minutes a game at that point. Most he's played in his career minutes-wise is, like I think, like 27 or 28 minutes a game. So Well, to that point, just really quickly, because I, I want to, I know that like we kind of want to breeze past Jonathan Isaac, but I think there there's a fun conversation that was being had on on social media. I was going to bring um, that up this yeah. week. Per, okay, perfect. We're on the same page here. So when whenever people talk about Jonathan Isaac's like minutes and the fact that he only played like 27, 28 minutes per game, Steve Clifford did not play guys like heavy minutes at all. Like I think for a while there, Vooch was like our like heaviest minutes guys and he was like around 30 minutes per game yeah so when you see like stars in this league playing like 35 36 minutes per game whatever the case may be like steve clifford is like the anti thibodeau in that regard like steve clifford um is gonna play you know nine or 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 ten guys at some sometimes um and he's not gonna play them like a ton of minutes so um but yeah like to your point like we're not gonna see jonathan isaac playing like a like ton of back-to-backs for like three and four games, like at least to start the season. But the conversation that I was alluding to is like really has to do with three of our forwards. So when we're talking about, and we're just looking at the future of this team and like what the, the best iteration of this team is and like the best lineup that we can put out on the floor, we all say that healthy and at 100%, Jonathan Isaac is probably the only player on this team with like an absolute elite skill and that's on the defensive end of the ball, right? A guy that has an elite NBA skill, you want on the floor like in crunch time, like in your high-pressure situations. But we also have Franz Wagner, who we all argue should have been like a Rookie of the Year finalist last year, potentially. And then you have Paolo Bancaro, who's the freaking number one overall pick in the draft. You're definitely going to play that guy. You're mm-hmm. going to put the ball in his hands. We saw this in Summer League, right? So the question is, like, do you have to move on from someone eventually? Or is there the potential? Because we saw Point Franz last year. Is there a potential that Franz could play extended minutes at the two, J.I. or Paolo at the three, and then the other one at the four? Probably like Franz at the two, Paolo at the three, J.I. at the four. You, and you then the you one? have a, a center. I'm sorry? Who'd you say for the one spot? I didn't say for the one spot because I think it's a, an interesting uh, conversation. You said just Wagner because starting at the two, or I mean not starting, but playing at two. Yeah, position. I've got Wagner just right there in the middle of the lineup. You got Wagner, you know, Paolo and Ji, and then obviously your center right now is going to be Wendell. If it this was like opening night or this season, I would say it's Markel. But I do think the Magic have invested a lot into Jalen Suggs. Obviously, the number five pick in the draft, and if he makes a big leap offensively this year. I think you start to have the conversation of who is your point guard of the future. Is it Markel Fultz, who, although we all love him, and I'm still holding on to hopes that he might be able to be like an all-star reserve some year, or Jalen Suggs, who is, if he's able to take an offensive leap, when you pair that with how special he is defensively, 
that's a dude that could make multiple all-star games. Mm. So if Jalen takes a big leap, you start to have that conversation of who is the point guard of the future for the Magic. Emphasis on big when you talk about the leap. But yeah. I'm with you. I, okay, so let's say, okay, Jalen goes from 21% to like 31% from the three-point line this year and is like around 41 42% from the floor. Obviously, it has to get the turnovers under control. And I'm not saying it's all going to happen in one year, but if he does take a significant leap offensively, you're mm-hmm. not just saying like, oh, it's Jalen and we're throwing him into the starting lineup from now on. But it, it, you are going to have to say, all right, he took a massive leap year one to year two. What's he going to do year two to year three? And oh, Markel Fultz is nearing the end of his extension. So you are going to have to start to answer some of the, or not answer, but ask yourself some of those questions in terms of who is going to be your point guard of the future. They may very well still believe in Markel, to, Markel Fultz is that guy, and I would not fault them. He's incredible at getting into the paint, playmaking. He obviously massively improved this team last year when he came back from injury, but the magic also have invested a lot in the Jalen Suggs, the number five overall pick in the draft last year. I, I have mean, a like lot. Wendell, that's a whole nother conversation. Cause like you could play J.I. at the five yeah. or who knows? I, ha- I so have much a, going on with this team. Yes. I have a lot to say, but I'm not, I'll, I'll save it for the guards discussion. Um, when it comes to that, I think there's a lot of interesting points that I have a lot of responses to. And just like, I think it is going to be interesting dialogue, but we will save it for the guards position. Uh, when we talk about that, whether that's next episode or the episode after that. Um, but yeah, so where where do we fall now? Do, are, are we done with J.I. for right now? And we want to go to that to, to Chuma or what well, do you no, think? I mean, I'm I'm still on like could uh, Franz, J.I. and Paolo all play together in the same lineup? Absolutely. Like if, you have, I think, if you have a ton of shooting at the one, I know we don't want to spend a ton of time talking about the guards, but if you have like a real shooter at the one, it makes it much easier to play those three guys together. In my opinion, you're saying, yeah. And that's where you introduce the Jalen Suggs talk, right? Yeah. Unless I think we all agree that like Cole Anthony Markel is one. never going to be a, I mean, it could be Cole Anthony. I don't know, but if I you think want we, shooting, he's your best bet right now. Yeah. I yeah. think we agree that Markel probably isn't going to become like a league average three point shooter at this point. No, that, that dream has, is disappeared far into the abyss, but um. Yeah. No. I think there's absolutely a world where you can have Paolo, Franz, and Ji playing together. I don't see why not. I don't see why you can't run Franz at the one and take it from there. Like, let's get weird. Well, what let's- do you think defensively, though? Because that's that's people's like real. I put it out there. Like, tell me why this can't work. Mm-hmm. And people were just like, "Oh, well, can Franz like guard twos for twenty minutes a game?" Let's and that's friggin- a real question. Let's freaking find me, out. Well, let's find out. Yes, let's try it. Let's see what it looks like. But just like, like the concept. Do we think the concept will work? Like, do you? I don't want to see Franz guarding like Trey Young. I don't right. ever want to see that. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, he yeah. actually. Now, to be fair, he did get switched on to Trey Young a couple of times last year and did not look that bad in his defense. Right. That being said, I don't want to see him guarding John Morant and Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Trey every single night. I don't want to see that. Well. Never mind. I was going to be really disrespectful to Cole Anthony. I'm not going to do that, bro. But uh, oh, no. <laughs> I just I'll say it. Uh, I don't want to see Cole Anthony guarding him either. But, you know, we're going to get that anyway. Um, but no, I, I mean, I uh, what about 
Franz at the one, Cole at the two. On defensively, Cole is the one, and Franz runs point. And so you're you're Franz Cole, you know Ji Palo, however you want to play it, and Dell at the five or Mo or whoever you got down there, but for that rotation. But I mean, what about that? Is that does that solve it at all? Well, another another question that people had is just whether or not Franz's handle can be tight enough to play guard full time. Bro, we're just running that pick was, and roll into the ground. I don't. Well, I mean, some teams are going to catch on to that and like blow that action up, you know. And, and a guy, you're going to have to break a guard down off the dribble at some point, and it's just whether or not Franz can do that consistently. We love Markel because we know it doesn't matter who is standing in front of him. Yeah. You're getting broken down, and he's mm-hmm. getting to the rim. So yeah, I think it's a fun conversation it, totally. to have. I think we see that at some point this season. Like, just just give me five minutes of that to so that I can say that I saw it. We can see what it looks like, and Listen, if it man, works great. If not, we'd never talk about it again. We saw Bomba Dell, and we never thought on God's green earth we were going to see that. So when I say let's yeah. get weird, let's get into that territory. Just throw out some wild things. I'm here for it. It's yes, we would love to make the playoffs, but this team is still growing. Why don't we just find out where's everybody fit? I think it's fun. Well, in the preseason, when you know Mosley rolled out Mo and Wendell, we we're like, all right, this is cool for the preseason, but like, all right, it'll let's never get happen. serious here. And mm-hmm. then, like, opening night, you know, it's it's Mo and, and Wendell back, and it there, turns so. out to be one of the best starting lineups in the league for a long time. Until everybody started getting hurt. Yeah, it definitely was. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about um, let's talk about Chuma Okiki then, I guess. Like, I know we've already kind of like talked about him for the most part, but I I wanted to ask you this because it feels like at the end of not this past season, but the season before that, like the expectations and like the possibilities for Chuma Okiki were just like sky high. Like, you know, we were saying like baby Kawhi and, you know, stuff like that. But now, at least for me, I feel like my expectations have, have come down a little bit. And I think, I think I'm probably too low on Chuma at this point. Like I feel like I should be a bit higher. Yeah. Um, but I think starting the, the season last year with like the hip thing that he was dealing with, it took him a while to kind of shake that off. And we didn't see Chuma really being utilized the way that Steve Clifford utilized him, which was actually putting the ball in his hands quite a bit. And with Mosey last year, he was mostly relegated to just being like a spot-up three-point shooter. And the times that we did see the ball in his hands and him putting the ball on the floor, we're like, oh, there's the Chuma that we really got excited about last year. And I want to see more of that this year. I think coming off the bench, Chuma needs to be featured a little bit more in a playmaking role because um, I think that's where his potential is. I don't see him as just being this like 3 and D guy. Like He very much can be that. First of all, we got to get like the offhand away from the ball. When he's shooting like right now, I don't know if you've seen this, but like so bad. his offhand or his guide hand when he's shooting the ball is literally in front of the ball. And it's, it's terrifying. A, it's a second defender. It's crazy, dude. It's like worse than Alfred Payton's hair. Like mm-hmm. it's I don't want it anywhere near the ball. Yeah. But if he can knock it down, even if it's ugly, if he can knock it down, we're really working with something. But he just has that extra ability to put the ball on the floor and like really fine like cutters and open three point shooters. So I want to see more of that out of Chuma Okiki this year and I hope we see that um in the in the bench lineup. Yeah. There is two guys coming into this season that the outlook is far different and the expectations are far different 
than what they were at the beginning of last season. Trumo Kiki being one of them, RJ Hampton being the other one. They're they're just it's unfortunate because it's just like it doesn't feel like they're the same. You know, we're not setting the same precedent. Like they're not setting the same precedent for themselves. We don't have the same expectations for either of those guys coming into the season, but could be a blessing in disguise, right? I mean, Chuma comes into this understanding that this team is growing. He's got to get better if he wants to continue to get minutes. He played 25 minutes in both of his seasons with the Magic so far. His efficiencies need some work. He had great stretches sometimes. We talked about how just like streaky. He was the definition of streaky when it came to shooting the basketball. Would have games where he'd shoot 70% from three. Would have games where he shot 10% from three. So... And it's just this, it's just the truth, and he just needs to get consistent. And so I I would love to have him there as a defender, like you said. Maybe you get use him as the playmaker a little bit more, but more than anything for me, I just want him to just be efficient. If it takes having his second guide hand, his guide hand in front of the basketball when he is shooting it, so be it. If those efficiencies are up, you're not going to hear me complaining about it. I'll maybe troll a little bit and roast, but is what it is if he's a great shooter he's a great shooter we've seen those flashes that he can be that i think much like rj hampton though he's got to just fill his role stay in your lane don't get too cute you want a long-term spot in the nba knock down your shots knock down your shots do what's asked of you at this point you probably need to give up like the fantasies of being a star in the nba um as much as i hate to say that but it's the case it's the case with Chumo Kiki. I, I think that he can be a, a good player, a serviceable, pl- serviceable player, but we're just going to need to get him to really fall in line here this this season and just hit those shots. It he it is very similar, honestly, for me uh, in terms of him compared to like RJ Hampton and what they need to do this season. See, I, I do think there are some similarities there, but I just think Chuma's overall feel for the game is just so far advanced from RJ Hampton. That like I'm I'm really confident that Chuma is going to figure it out and is going to be a, a really good role player. RJ I think can get there, but I'm I'm nowhere near as sure with RJ. But I do see the similarities there. I did want to just kind of go through like we did with Chuma in terms of like his shooting numbers month by month. Um, so last year in November, 24% from the three point line. December was 23%. But then in January he got up to 38%. February was 39%, and then he finishes the year in March back at 28.9%. So um, January and February, we saw him get really hot from the three-point line, and that's when I was texting you like, hey, it's time for you to apologize to Chuma Okiki, and then you were like, no, and you kind of held off long enough for him to come crashing back down to earth, and it was like, see, this is why I didn't apologize. So maybe this year we'll get a Chuma Okiki apology. Who, Who knows? If he's close to 40%, I think we might have a chance. I have said this so many times and it, and you're making me mad. You're making me mad a little bit because I think it was what? all warranted. It was all okay, warranted. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not but saying I, but, it wasn't. But but then why do I apologize? Because in the moment I was just fully irritated with Chumoki. You've apologized to Gary Harris. Okay. His was a smaller. It was smaller. I was on board with, with him so much before. Don't you weren't on board with Chuma his rookie year? I don't know if I this is a apologize bunch of BS right to Gary now. though. Like I, if I had to go back, I, I would hope still you did because you were incredibly disrespectful to Gary. But then he came back and he just showed us 
that he can do it for a long period of time. It was more than two months. And uh, and also, I don't know if I apologize. If I had to go back and I had to make eh. that that throwing missing, throwing me in the dumpster type comment, if I had to make that again, I'd do it all over again because he was awful. It was awful. He was. So I'm, I just I'm think that it was certain, just. I'm fairly certain there was an apology somewhere along the way. But Maybe, but that's, that's my me, boy. Neither here nor there. I have, a, I have Let, such a soft spot for Garrett Harris. Anyway. Oh, we're aware. Yeah. We are aware. Yeah. Last but not least, let's talk about Caleb Houston. So the rookie out of Michigan, go through his stats at Michigan last year. Uh, again, Caleb, I believe, was the 32nd pick in the draft this year. Uh, 34 games at Michigan, 10 points per game, 38% from the floor, 35% from the three-point line on five attempts per game, four rebounds, uh, assists and a half, almost a steal, and taking a look at his numbers from Summer League. They weren't incredible, but um, he did have like that first game. He just looked incredible, moved really well off the ball. But in four games in Summer League, 28 points per game, 8.5 points, uh, three rebounds. Um, didn't really average an assist because they never passed him the ball, quite frankly. <laughs> Um, 32% from the floor, 25% from the three point line. Um, but did have that really impressive first game where he just really shot the lights out of the basketball. I think that we are, um, impressed and excited about what Caleb Houston might be because you did see the flashes of him being a good shooter. He has a nice shooting form and he moves really well without the basketball and he's a good defender. You can just tell when we, like we're talking about Chuma Okiki, the guy knows where to be, when to be there on the floor. Didn't re really make a lot of mistakes. And in his defense, those last few games, even if he was 50 feet away from the basket, if he touched the ball, he had to shoot it because it was not coming back to him. So, um, but super excited to see, you know, Caleb Houston. Finally, the Magic used a second overall, a second round pick on Caleb Houston. Um, and excited to see if he can, you know, sneak into the rotation a little bit this year. Do you think, as far as minutes for Caleb Houston, he's a great off ball? Um, or good off ball, I should say, really, uh, as far as we know, and really as much as I'm able, like, willing to state it. He's good off ball. He could be a decent three-point shooter. Um, in terms of minutes right now, right, you're kind of behind one of Chuma and J.I. off the bench. So really you're looking at like the third man in that depth chart, really, at like the forward, that forward position. Um, one way or another, like you're, you're number three. So um, I'm wondering, as far as minutes go for him this coming season, if the team is healthy, does he get like Ignis type minutes where it's like 12 minutes a game? Where where do we think our expectation lies as far as getting Houston even on the court in his first season, barring that the team is competitive and healthy? Well, like, so, you know, for just kind of for reference, like, sure, like Ignis Brezdakis, 12 minutes per game, but he almost 13, but he only um, appeared in 42 games. And those right. were largely like, you know, COVID games or when the team was getting blown out or like maybe the one game last year that they won, like running away or the team was just flat out trying to lose games at the end of the season um, with with Caleb. Even though, like, we think of him as a, a forward, you know, the kid is, you know, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 seven, seven six, eight. Eight, 205. Yeah. So, like, sh like you really think of that as, like, a, a small forward, like a wing. But there's a little bit of fronds to him where I think he could play, um, like, big in some of these other roles. Like, I could see him getting some minutes at the two. So, no Gary Harris to start the year, right? So, 
probably starting either Jalen Suggs or Cole Anthony at the two next to Markel. Whichever one of those guys doesn't start is most likely going to be like either the the six man first guy off the bench or is going to be running the offense in like the bench unit. Now, because there's no Gary Harris, you're probably having RJ Hampton or I would probably think Terrence Ross um, coming you know off the bench like into like the the two role. Now, if he gets hurt or RJ Hampton gets hurt, or let's say they're just trying to develop some guys and RJ Hampton isn't really taking the next step. I could see Caleb Houston kind of sneaking into the lineup because I do feel like even right now as a rookie, I, I think Caleb has a little bit better feel, a natural feel for the game compared to RJ. Now we've talked about this and you mentioned it. If RJ really buys into that three and D role, he's going to be a, a great role player off the bench for a long time in this league. But right now there's like two paths for Caleb Houston. It's like the Ignis Brisdakis where the team is getting blown out or somebody's resting or you're up by 20 in the fourth quarter. Here's nine minutes tonight or somebody's getting hurt and, or he's stepping into like a developmental role. If, if somebody doesn't take a, a, a next leap, but early in the season, I don't see him being in the rotation regularly. No, I don't either. I think that the, obviously, you know, you talk about you're projecting that Houston like has a better feel than RJ, which to be fair, they were both playing in summer league and one looked fine and one looked not fine. Um, you guys know who was who. So, but there are, this also could be the case of Caleb Houston. You just haven't seen enough. Like what if at like just a bigger sample size, he's not like, he's not better than RJ. Like that. I just think that that's a real possibility. So I don't know that I'm jumping to that conclusion, but I will accept that it's possible. Well, I, right now, I, I don't even know that I'm willing to go as far as saying like Caleb is better than RJ. I just think like I think he will catch on to the NBA game quicker. Yeah. Like if, if they were both starting like from square one, like if RJ was coming in as a rookie, yes, I think Caleb would be better this year. But you know, RJ is still uh, has a, a lot of potential in terms of you know what he can do with his athleticism and he can be a good defender, a pesky defender. We know he's a good catch and shoot, uh, you know, shooter. Caleb has shown potential as a shooter, but his his shooting has not been that efficient, neither at Michigan or in, in summer league. So, no. um, but I think if he was given a ton of minutes this year, by the end of the season, we could think that Caleb is the better player than RJ. Um, but, but it just depends. We probably what the doubt Magic are doing this year. Yeah. I doubt that he does get a ton of minutes. I'm hoping. Yeah. I think that as a Magic fan, you should hope he doesn't get a ton of minutes because I think that means things have gone terribly wrong. Or Caleb Houston is just a baller and uh, the next, you know, LeBron James. I don't know. You know, I think everything that we're discussing here and like I start to think about these lineups and who's going to play where. And I don't really know because we have a lot of talent on this team, a lot of young talent. I think it's a good problem to have. We'll know more in about four to five weeks here as training camp gets rolling and then preseason gets rolling, we'll be able to start to piece some of this together, what it's going to look like. Um, I think the starting lineup, we have a pretty good feeling outside of who's going to be the starting shooting guard. When it comes to the bench and the way those minutes are going to work, there are just so many possibilities. You know, and no Obviously, idea. Jonathan Isaac is a huge factor in that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of experimentation with the bench lineup, especially early in the year. Yeah. And that's going to tell us 
Are the Magic just really selling out and trying to win games and make the playoffs? Or are they still trying to develop and be competitive? So early, the first you know few weeks of the season are going to tell us everything that we need to know about what the Magic are trying to achieve this year. Can't come soon enough. Facts. I think that's going to do it for the forwards. Luke, what do you think? Got anything else? No, that's it. That's it. Gave you guys a, a, a thick episode here. Looking like hour 10 runtime at least. So hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we had a lot of fun talking about the facility, what that means for this organization, and always fun to talk Magic Basketball. Preseason can't get here soon enough. That's when we really start to see kind of just rotations that Mosley is playing around with. That's where we got kind of caught wind, obviously, of the the Wendell Mo thing last year. So we'll be fun to see what he throws out there in preseason, and we'll know, hey, we should take Mosley seriously in these preseason lineups he throws out there. Because they might actually come to fruition come regular season. So, yeah, if we see some kind of lineup like Franz, JI, Paolo, Wendell, and Mo, I'm going to be like, oh, God, here we go. You know, I'm like, interested like to see what JI does in preseason if he plays preseason. He better play preseason. He better. But that's what I'm I wondering. I wonder what 10 minutes a game. That'll also give us an idea in terms of like minutes too. Like it, it maybe they surprise us. And they start out even more than we think, but we will see. There is a lot of speculation. I'm tired of speculation, and I was ready for it. Here, here's a hot take: we will know what is going on with Jonathan Isaac on media day. On media if day, if we when get is to that? media day, if we get to media day, media day is uh, September twenty sixth. Yeah. September twenty sixth. If we get to media day, and Jeff Weltman gets in front of those cameras and says, <laughs> "We don't have a timetable with Ji." Um, my my brain will explode out of my skull, <laughs> and they will need to repaint those brand new walls at the Advent Training Center because the Advent Health Training Center. Because I don't think my brain can take one more. We don't have a timetable for Ji. It it's, should be our expectation is he's going to participate in training camp, and if everything goes well, he'll play preseason and he'll start the season. He comes out there and he's like. Yeah, you know, we just kind of ran out of runway. He's probably not going to play this season. <laughs> He's not going to play this season. We just ran out of runway. I would legitimately have a stroke. I would, I would have an aneurysm right on the spot. Oh, man. All right. Speaking of preseason, uh, we teased about this a couple of weeks ago, but we're setting up kind of like uh, uh, the six-man show preseason night uh, where we're going to do like a group outing um, at the final preseason game against the Cavaliers. So obviously this is a home game. It's the Magic's last game of the preseason. It is Friday, October 14th at 7 o'clock. Uh, we did our best to try to keep these tickets pretty um, affordable. So if you want to come and hang out with us uh, for this preseason game and to hang out with other Magic fans, you can. Um, so right now I'm looking at the the seating. Tickets go from anywhere from $28 uh, to $38. Um, and since we're purchasing like directly through the Magic, it gets rid of like a lot of the superfluous fees uh so we're taking over roughly like section 108 there's some seats in 109 110 and 111 so just kind of the magic bench side just kind of like that whole baseline area you know we're going to be sitting there so um, we got about 150 folks when we announced this a couple months ago that said they were interested in potentially coming to this game uh, so really looking forward to that if you are one of those fans that is passionate about taking the lower bull back at the Amway Center, this is the first step. Uh, we would love to do 
uh, outings like this regularly. So we're hoping for a good turnout here. If we have a good turnout turnout at this event, then we're going to be more likely to do this at games like against the Heat or the Lakers or the Celtics or whoever. So we can make sure that we have let's go magic chance in the lower bowl in the third and fourth quarter instead of these other fans from these other teams. So um, you can complain about other fans in the arena, but if you're not coming to the arena uh, and, and trying to change the culture at Amway, just please come out and, and help us do this. So be on the lookout. Um, I'll be posting this link sometime on Thursday. I'm um, just follow the link, pick your seats, purchase your tickets. Um, I'm sure we'll do something like a pregame somewhere before the game that night. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, so just be on the lookout for that. But that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.